I invite you all to join me in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In this song, Eleanor Rigby, the rock band, The Beatles, unpack the heavy impact of loneliness. And they do this in a song with only three verses and a song that is only two minutes long. And still, when I say the title to you all, Eleanor Rigby, a lot of us can recall the story right away. The Beatles released this song in 1966 on their seventh album, Revolver. Paul McCartney came up with the idea for the song. Between Paul McCartney and John Lennon, over 200 songs were written. I have listened to a lot of Beatles music. My dad is a really big Beatles fan, so of course, I became a fan too. And out of all of the songs they've written that I've heard, there's something that always draws me back to Eleanor Rigby time and time again. It's not a particularly happy song. It's actually pretty sad. And if you don't feel sad, the strings in the background immediately make you feel that way. They remind you of the seriousness. But there is something still relatable in it all. Maybe it's because this song paints such a vivid picture through the lyrics. I also think that most of us relate to the song because we, too, notice the lonely people around us. Maybe we've even been lonely ourselves before. In the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby, we are introduced to two characters, Eleanor Rigby, of course, and Father McKenzie, both of whom do mundane tasks throughout the entire song, only for Eleanor to die and Father McKenzie to preside over her funeral, a funeral that no one attends. I told you, it's a sad song. The chorus throughout has these words. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? I'd venture to guess that we've all had seasons of loneliness in our life. As a pastor, I find myself reminding people over and over again that just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're magically immune from the hardships of life we will still make bad decisions. We will still be given devastating diagnoses. We will still experience loneliness, depression, anger, and loss. We are not immune from life just because we come together for worship. This is our third week of our series, Top of the Charts the penultimate, if you will. We have taken a look at secular songs and how they speak to our Christian theology. Here in modern worship, we've been using Paul's letter to the church at Rome to pull out some of our distinctive understandings for our Christian faith. 
Music, like Miss Meredith showed us, has a unique way of spanning across generations and cultures and speaking to people throughout time. Music offers something for everyone. There is a time and a place for us to turn on the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby, and be moved by the music, to be moved by the lyrics, even 50 plus years later. Last spring, Harvard released a study suggesting that 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, feel serious loneliness. Not surprisingly, loneliness appears to have increased substantially since the outbreak of the global pandemic. If we take these numbers at face value, we face a staggering reality. Over a quarter of all Americans are seriously lonely. It makes the Beatles chorus ring true for us right here, right now. Look at all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? Where do they all belong? While loneliness is not the cornerstone of what the Apostle Paul writes about, it shows up, believe it or not, in a number of different ways in his writings. This morning, we will read from Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. So what are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also freely give us all things with him? Who will bring a charge against God's elect people? It is God who acquits them. Who is going to convict them? It is Christ Jesus who died, even more who was raised, and who also is at God's right side. It is Christ Jesus who also pleads our case for us. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, and here Paul's quoting from a psalm, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. We are treated like sheep for slaughter. But in all these things, we win with a sweeping victory through the one who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Throughout this book of Romans, Paul has told the people over and over again that God is sovereign. Paul has challenged the people to come together, even though these believers are Jewish and Gentiles, and they are split in how they understand the doctrine of following Jesus. Paul attempts to unite them in the understanding that they are all made new in Christ, that means they're all on equal footing. Paul's challenged them to unite and come together for the furthering, for furthering of the message of Christ. Paul does something different in this eighth chapter. 
Paul asks, so what now? What do all these things I've laid out for us mean? What does it mean that we are called to be united and to be made into these new creations? Now, in the New Testament, when our friend in the Gospels particularly, our friend Jesus, would challenge people, he typically would talk in these parables or he would ask questions without ever really giving the answer. This isn't the Apostle Paul's style. Instead, when Paul asks these questions, he goes right along and answers them himself. Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which sounds really nice. It sounds really reassuring. We know the people that Paul is writing to. They are people who have separated themselves from their original communities to an extent. I'm sure that it was super, it was not a super cool thing for Jewish people to believe in Jesus. It probably wasn't a super cool thing for Gentiles to believe in Jesus for that matter. They're not doing the popular thing. By choosing Jesus, they are going against what they have been brought up of because they have stepped toward Jesus and toward being a community of believers, most of these first believers are isolating themselves from some of the people closest to them. Loneliness is not something reserved for us now. It wasn't reserved for the Beatles in the 60s. I have no doubt that there was a fair share of loneliness occurring inside of Rome during the time of Paul's letter. And at first glance, it's tempting to think that Paul is saying, because they believe in Christ, no bad thing will ever happen to them. The love of Christ will protect them from all of it. But that's not the case. Instead, Paul paints a pretty dreary picture Paul tells the people they will have others who come against them. Charges may be brought against them. The people will experience trouble, distress, harassment, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. I guess that loneliness is probably a resulting emotion from experiencing a lot of those things. None of them sound particularly delightful. But Paul knows that this is the reality of the time period in which they are living. And that's why these last three verses of chapter 8 are so impactful. Paul writes, even with all those bad things, I'm convinced. But in all these things, we win a sweeping victory through the one who loves us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord, not death or life, angels or rulers, present things or future things, powers or height or depth, or any other thing that is created. As a pastor, I don't believe in shrugging off loneliness and saying, don't worry, God's with you, and leaving it at that. 
I do believe in dealing with loneliness and other isolating emotions. That when we deal with them, when we acknowledge them, it's helpful to remember that we're not alone. That we cannot be separated from our creator who loves us. There is good in what Paul says here. It is true that Jesus is on our side and we can't be separated. And there will also be times where we are in need of a tangible reminder that we're not alone too. There are a lot of legends around the origins of the name Eleanor Rigby. Paul McCartney holds that the name was inspired by an actress of the name Eleanor Braun, who worked on their film Help, and that he was inspired by the name Rigby when he was killing time walking around Bristol and saw a storefront that had Rigby in its name. That's Paul McCartney's story. Over time, if you know any Beatles fans, this is how it happens. Over time, the legend has grown. Fans, we'll call them super sleuth fans, discovered that there was actually a tombstone in a cemetery at St. Peter's Church, a cemetery that McCartney and Lennon spent a lot of time in that actually has a marker on it that says Eleanor Rigby. Paul McCartney shrugs when he learns this and says, huh, maybe I was inspired by that and I didn't even know it. Another fan says that after writing a letter to McCartney, my smaller friends, we know what a letter is? Yeah, okay. So a fan wrote a letter, that's what you did, to Paul McCartney and she says that she received a piece of mail back from Paul McCartney that had a hospital ledger from 1911, yes, a historic ledger, and on it, it had someone named Eleanor Rigby. I'm telling you, if you just do a quick Google, there are so many ideas of where this name came from. However, whatever the true story of the origin of the name may be, Paul McCartney is certain about one thing. Eleanor Rigby was inspired by a woman he knew by the name of Daisy Hawkins. She was older, she lived alone, and as he was a boy, he would help her with tasks around her house, and occasionally he would run errands for her too. Paul McCartney writes that he really enjoyed spending time with Daisy Hawkins. He enjoyed hearing her stories and being inspired by her life and perspective. McCartney noticed that this was a lonely woman, and I believed he helped ease that loneliness by asking questions and giving her space to share her stories. Loneliness is a real issue in our world. The question for each of us is what can we do to help ease some of that in the world? For those of us who may have people in our lives who are obviously experiencing loneliness, it may mean taking time to sit down and just 
be with them, to ask them how they are. And here's the kicker. Be ready to listen to whatever answer they may give. If we are experiencing loneliness ourselves, it may mean that it's time for us to confide in someone. Maybe that first confidant is God. Through our prayers and our journaling, we tell God that we are experiencing loneliness. And from there, we work up the courage to say the words out loud to someone else. We stay in tune with our emotions to know when it's time to schedule an appointment with our therapist. It's okay to pay someone to listen to us, especially when we're lonely and we feel like nobody else is. Combating loneliness is not an easy task. It may be filled with awkward conversations and moments of acknowledging that we don't know what to do to fix it right away. But we reassure one another that we are not alone on this journey. And we hold tight to the fact that even this loneliness cannot separate us from Christ's love. We are all worthy. We are all loved. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? Where do they all belong? There's a reason so many of us like listening to Eleanor Rigby. I don't think it's necessarily because we like being sad. However, maybe there's a time and place for that too. I think we like this song because we can put ourselves in the character's shoes. We can imagine that kind of loneliness. I can't answer the questions that the Beatles pose. Where do lonely people come from? I do know they belong here. They belong with all of us. I do know that we should be a space for people who may feel lonely to feel a little less lonely when they walk through these doors. I know that all people belong here. They belong here where they will be told every single week that they are loved, they are cherished, and they're challenged and called to love others too. I fear that often we create loneliness when we exclude, when we do not make the time to listen, when we lead selfish lives, when we fail to remember that all are children of God. And still, Paul, Paul, this apostle committed to learning the teacher's teachings of Christ and sharing those with the world struggling to practice this faith out in their everyday life, that same apostle Paul reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. If we believe that to be true, then we should each live our lives in a way that echoes that. If we believe nothing separates us from Christ, then we also believe nothing separates our siblings, 
Nothing separates the other people in the world from Christ either. When we start to live our lives in that kind of way, that's when we work on alleviating loneliness in the world. We remind each other that not any one of us is alone. May it be so. Amen.